0: Okay, hello, Hi. Catherine, oh, sorry. Kate. Uh, welcome to Bites. Uh This is a podcast for the festival where we talk to authors who've come to the festival, tease the book for our audience who are not able to attend, but also talk about what it's been like for you to be invited here, to speak here, and all of that. Oh, so, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, it's, uh, I do want the audience to know this is JLF on the Rocks, I'm having I'm having a beer because we've we've had a full day of, of walking around doing sessions, so cheers. Cheers. So let's start off with what was it like uh, for you when you first heard of this festival and then got invited to come in talk about your book, which we which I will talk about in a little bit.
1: Oh no, it's just a joy to be here. I mean, it's every writer's dream to get invited to Jaipur Literature Festival, so I'm delighted to be here. Um, It's been on, the festival's been on my radar for as long, you know, for for years, you know, because I'm an avid fan of William Dalrymple's work. And so as a result, I've obviously been aware of the festival. So when I got the invitation this year, I was delighted. And, you know, I had been hoping to come last year to, you know, launch my book, which came out February 21, I guess. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, for circumstances that need no explaining, that was not possible. So I... I'm just thrilled to be here now, and it's been such a brilliant environment, meeting so many interesting people, having some of the best conversations of post-pandemic freedom. So, yeah, it's brilliant.
0: The, so the book is called Queens of Jerusalem, not Queen of Jerusalem, because that would be a completely different book. Yeah. It would go into fiction, probably. Um, how long did it take you to put this together because it's it's a lot of research
1: yeah I mean it was you know it was a fairly organic process because the thing is I would studied the medieval Middle East as part of my masters and the reason I came to write this book which is focuses on the 12th century and ruling women in the M- Middle East at this time was that in studying that period in that region in my masters I came across mentions of some brilliant fascinating women but who's then their lives weren't, weren't elaborated on in the, in the books and texts available to me. So I knew what was missing and I knew what I wanted to do. So and the, although my masters didn't focus specifically on the women, it did focus on the sources that I would eventually use for this. So it took, you know, I'd say door to door two years, you know, from the beginning the research to seeing it on the shelf. But, you know, that's not... It's not such a long turnaround. This yeah. does seem
0: pretty short, especially for for all the time periods that you're and the and the people that I'm guessing. It's you know, you know it's like
1: yeah. an it's eighty seven years. So, you know, yeah. it's it's less than a century. It's not it's not a big sweeping history. For a historian but, yeah. it's eighty
0: seven is like nothing. Right? It's like well, you wanna you wanna cover at least a couple of centuries. That's a that's a mega project. I mean, then. you
1: could write a whole book about one year in this period. Right. There's a lot happening, there's a lot of instability, there are a lot of amazing women doing amazing things, but you know I'm because it was one it's what I focus on one family you know and I bring mm-hmm. in I bring in others I bring in some Byzantine women but mainly I focus on this half Armenian half Frankish dynasty of ruling women in Jerusalem and the satellite states of Antioch, Edessa mm-hmm. and Tripoli um, and so for that you know it felt very focused and you know in a way because the reason my book had to be written is because the women are omitted from a lot of the historical records and sadly the result of that is there isn't actually always that much information to sift through. So I think some historians, when they write about Jerusalem, think about Simon Sebag Montefiore's book. But you know, his greatest challenge must have been what to include. There's so much. Whereas with mine, it was I had to include pretty much everything I found, and so I didn't have to sift. I had to I had to magnify. Yeah.
0: The the that aspect of of uh, these women, especially in the the way history is created where there's gatekeepers of people mostly men during those times who would be documenting all these things and all that how do you when you're doing your research build that the missing parts of the narrative the stuff that you are not able to that they'd never decided to write because they didn't think it was important or they didn't think it was going to help the story they wanted to tell how do you do that That part of your research?
1: Well, obviously, you don't, you don't want to resort to guesswork, but yeah. you, you, you don't want to. As a historian, you want to stay clear of that. So, you know, sometimes I'll read things written about this woman, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, she probably was like this, or she probably was like this. I like to stay clear of, of that. But, you know, there, is, there are elements of, of, of speculation. But, you know, so, for example, with one of the central figures of my book, Queen Melisande, we have no descriptions of her, but we do have a description of her son which you know itemizes various aspects of his appearance and on a couple of them he said and in this respect he resembles his mother so from that we know that this description can also be applied to Queen melazon so you read between the lines of the history written about the men because women are ever present they're just in the shadows of history and it's about bringing them out of the shadows um, so you know it's going through the sources of the fine-tooth comb and finding scattered references and then extrapolating from that who was who was where and, and when and so you know there's one historian he never gives her he doesn't give her a particular voice but he records that Melisande was present at the war council of the second crusade now Eleanor of Aquitaine was in the Middle East at the same time she was in Jerusalem as well but she was not at this council from this we can infer several things that Melisande was taking an active role in politics and that she had enough status enough power to make her voice heard and to be a sen- you know, an essential presence at these political councils and we learn that Eleanor was not, you know, we, and so, you know, it's, it's not written anywhere, Eleanor was not polit- as politically active as Melisande at this time or Eleanor was in disgrace or Melisande is such and such, but from that list of names at that conference we can learn certain things about the roles women were playing and different
0: women as well. So w- when you were building the, the structure of the book, uh, whatever outline you created at first and because of it involves so much research and things, but what were, by the time you were done with that first draft, can you share at least you know, one or two instances where you found something that, despite knowing uh, what you were set out to do, you were, what you were getting going to do, but that story about that person or that s- instance yeah. surprised you no, from what brilliant. you didn't expect at Thank all? Thank you
1: for this question because you know, if I was writing the book again, It wouldn't be the queens of jerusalem it would be something like queens of the levant because i i set out to write a book about the women at the christian courts and what i learned in studying this region is that okay as much as the christian queens are overlooked the islamic women wielding power are so much more overlooked and their stories are just as fascinating and you know because of my you know pretty eurocentric western education i you know I didn't even know that these stories were waiting to be told until I was delving into this history. So if I was writing this book again, I would give so much more emphasis to Zamurrud of Damascus, you know, this this kingmaker um, at the court of Damascus who, you know, was arranging assassinations, was forging allegiances, was undertaking architectural projects. She's a brilliant woman. And, you know, I couldn't give her her own chapter when I wrote this book because I didn't have the flexibility and so I bring her in as a comparison to Queen Melisandes, but how interesting would it be to focus on this dichotomy, oh, yeah. on the differences between Melzond and Samarid, and I could only do it, you know, in brief. Even in my books, Samarid might only get five or ten pages, which is, it's not enough. And, you know, the same as I stumbled, you know, stumbled upon, but Saladin's wife, a woman, we don't even have her Christian name, is Matadin Khatun, she's, you know, known only by honorifics. And but from what's written about Saladin and his relationship with her and how he wrote to her on a daily basis and they had to conceal his, her death from him so that he wouldn't get too upset and lose his battles and whatever, <laughs> we can learn what an important role she played and how educated and, you know, she must have been. You don't write, you know, so many letters to a woman you see as a sex object or just one of many, do you? you don't and he
0: wrote daily letters, I yeah, believe, right? to his yeah. wife.
1: And so she needs to be, there needs to be more written about her. And i got to say it's difficult for historians right. because... The medieval chroniclers didn't write too much about her. As I say, we don't have her first name, but I l- learned doing this that by talking about the Christian Court. I was just scratching the surface of what women were doing in the medieval Levant, and I'd, I'd love the opportunity to explore that more in the future.
0: So I do want to talk about what you are working on right now, but before that, I want to kind of go back a little bit in time. Why did you choose to be this person on this cover? Like, mm-hmm. what, what, what made you choose... These stories, history as as a subject, for what you, what you want to do with your life, and I mean there's almost who in a philosophical what my life will, way, like what makes you knows where think? my life yeah. will go?
1: I think I'll have a portfolio career. I'll do different well, things. Sure, I will write more about women's history because it's fascinating and it needs doing. And mm-hmm. I'm now in a position to do more of it. But you know, I chose history because I loved it as a kid. I studied history. I studied literature. And when I studied the medieval Middle East, I saw that the voices of women were missing. Okay. So that's why I did this. I wanted to write, and this was something that needed writing about. So it was a natural fit. Um, what I'm writing about now is different, though, because you know I, I want to keep learning. You know I seem I, you know I chose not to do a PhD. Instead of doing a PhD, I, to, I was lucky and I got these book contracts. But I still see myself. You know I'm in my mid twenties. I still see myself as studying, as learning, as absorbing knowledge and technique. And so my new book is about cities. So I've moved from people. To places and to look at history, than through a biographical lens, through a geographical lens, okay. um, and that's that's a challenge and a half. I can tell you, I'm struggling with book two. But are you able to travel the to these cities? That yeah, you're I mean, it's the about? last two years. have been all over. So I'm doing Mediterranean cities. That, for me, it started with the city of Syracuse in Sicily. But uh-huh. when I was researching this book, I obviously read extensively about the cities of Antioch and Tyre. And they're two of the cities I cover in this new book, which is about the forgotten capitals of the Mediterranean. And it's about looking at Mediterranean history and the major transformations that have occurred in this pretty mythic region, but through the lens of these less well-known cities. And yeah, I've traveled to all of them. And it's been been a great joy. Um, It's been tricky because of COVID. You know, momentum has, has waxed and waned. There's been a lot of stopping and starting, but I'm now coming to the end of that process. And it's, yeah
0: it's it's been a privilege <laughs> so finally i just want to know yeah it's it's we have these these uh yeah. things out there which are killing mosquitoes i believe uh, final thing because we the podcast gets a lot of young writers listening uh, keep well, going yes <laughs> so what would you say is your comfort zone in your writing process, when you're when you're literally sitting down to type, and what is how do you challenge? What do you com-
1: mean? My comfort zone, my, my immediate what, environment. Like in terms
0: of what your daily regimen, do you have a bed. daily regimen? You write from bed.
1: I write from bed. <laughs> I get well. I'm an early bird, and so I wake yeah. up at about six or seven a.m. And well, no, but it's a process. I guess I'm going to start in the afternoon rather than the morning, because and that's a great way to look at writing as well. Don't start at the beginning. Start somewhere else, and then
0: I, in media res. Fantastic, I but agree. I um. Yeah.
1: I start, I'd say my process starts in the afternoon because after about 11 I'm reading, I'm not writing. Right. So I read and I think and I do my research and my whatever the day before in the afternoon and then I sleep and I wake up early before anyone else, before my partner, before anyone else and I write from 6-7am until 1030 and then I have my breakfast, and then and then I start the. So you know, and, and it, it and I write fast. I I mean, the, the writing of this book was was months, not years. You know, um, and yeah, but it's because that that those dawn hours before the world, the rest of the world is really up and functioning, are where I can really tap into. You right, know, right. Write, writing and do what I want to do and hit my word limits, my word targets rather. So you
0: have word targets daily? Yeah, for this try? book, I left yeah. enough
1: time and I was really reasonable and responsible, and I had to write sort of five hundred words a day, five six days a week, right. and that, that was totally fine. That was manageable. Some some weeks you didn't have that because there'd be more travel, la la la. I was in Jerusalem. I was you know I travelled for this book as well. Right, Jerusalem, right. Antioch, Lebanon, everywhere, um, and so sometimes that you know and obviously travel impacts that schedule. Um, but this book, I'm not going to tell you how many words I have to write <laughs> each day because it, it will make me feel ill, but it's 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 a lot more than 500 for this. Yeah, the the second one. book is bigger. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a longer book. It covers a much greater time period and a much greater geographical spread. You know, this Queens of Jerusalem focuses on one sliver of coastline from southern Turkey to northern Egypt, whereas Forgotten Capitals is the whole Mediterranean basin. And boy, there's a lot going on there over for several thousand years that I <laughs> that I deal
0: with yeah is that the title so far working title
1: working title that is working something title? like storied cities the forgotten mm-hmm. capitals of the mediterranean that's but we're going to refine that cuz that's no good you know
0: yeah right. If people want to send in suggestions after hearing this on Twitter,
1: my cities are Syracuse, Carthage, Antioch, Tyre, Ravenna, Rhodes, and Clemchen. So okay. if you got, if you think of something snappy, I, Ma- I want to hear maybe it. Maybe
0: like a really cool acronym of all those letters. No, no. that I'm not. I'm nothing gimmicky. <laughs> Keep, it clean. Keep it clean. I don't think there's any vowels team. in there either. Yeah. So uh, once again, the book is Queens of Jerusalem, the women who dared to rule. The author is Catherine. Pango? That's correct. Where's this last name from? Oh, it's
1: Lithuanian. Lithuanian. Ethnically, I'm a little confused, but I'm yes. born and raised in the UK. So, yeah.
0: Thank you, Catherine, for being on Jaipur Bites. I'm your host, Laksh Stay tuned for more episodes and more conversation with poets and writers from the Jaipur Literature Festival 2022. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you.